chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And I'd invite you to pull out those message notes this morning. Now, we do not venerate Mary like the Catholic Church. Uh, we don't think that she was anything special other than being the mother of Jesus Christ, which is special in itself. But I want to talk about a number of characteristics that I've seen her, in her life. And... Um, and I invite you again to turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And we'll be looking at Scripture as I preach down through this particular section. So there will be no Scripture reading per se this morning. But let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I'm asking this morning that you would help me to make this message applicable to our lives. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Did you know that Valentine's is right around the corner? Just Valentine's is just right around the corner. It seems like life is going so fast, and, and Valentine's will be here before you know it. But, but I heard about this wife. I heard about this particular wife, and she was taking a nap on Valentine's Day in the afternoon. In the afternoon on Valentine's Day, she was taking a nap. And when she woke up, her husband walked in, and she told her husband, she said, Honey, I've had a dream. I dreamt that you bought me a beautiful diamond ring for Valentine's Day. What do you think my dream means? What do you think my dream means, honey? He said, well, you'll find out tonight. That evening, he brought home a beautifully small wrapped box, and she was so excited that she unwrapped it right away. And it was a book entitled, The Meaning of Dreams. Now some of us some of us received some gifts that we wanted and others of us did not receive some of the gifts that we wanted. Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ, however, received a very very surprising gift. She received a very very surprising gift when all of a sudden an angel of the Lord appeared to her and said that she was going to be the mother of God, the mother uh, of the Messiah. Now, this morning, I, I want to let you know, or I, I want to indicate to you that if you want to be used by the Lord in a very, very significant way in your life, if you want to be used of God, if, if you want to see God bless your life and work in your life, I believe that there are three characteristics, three basic characteristics that you have to have the same characteristics that we see in the uh, in, in Mary's life, the mother of Jesus Christ. We're talking, of course, about faith. We're talking about humility, and we're talking about grit. Faith, humility, and grit. And these are all the characteristics that we see in Mary, the mother of Jesus, that she possessed. And again, I'd like to focus on her story this morning. As I said the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at Jesus' birth, and we've been looking at Jesus' life, but I want to focus on Mary this morning. I want to put ourselves in her sandals, so to speak. Mary is a young teenage girl. She's no more than 15 years of age, and um, and she was pledged. We've been talking about what that meant the last couple of Sundays, but she was betrothed. In other words, she was in a very, very strict engagement with a young man by the name of Joseph. We don't think that he was more than 19 years of age himself. He was a carpenter. And one day in the spring, something happened to Mary. And perhaps 
It occurred on a cool, crisp morning as the sun was coming over the hills of Nazareth. But all of a sudden, an angel appeared before Mary. An angel, not just any angel, but the Bible says Gabriel. Gabriel, the same angel that appeared before Daniel in the Old Testament, the same angel that recently appeared to Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, and announced that she was going to have a baby up in years, and he would be the forerunner of Jesus Christ, John the Baptist. And in verse 28, this is what he said to her. Look at it with me. Luke chapter 1, verse 28. He said, he went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And I like the way that that is expressed there. Highly favored. And we're going to find out in just a moment why she was so highly favored. Notice her reaction in verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I believe another translation says that she was frightened at his words. And and I would have been that way too. And you would have been the same way as well. Now, let's face it. If a big old angel of the Lord appeared to you early in the morning and appeared to me, I would have screamed, ah, I threw the covers over my head. I think I would have. It says that she was greatly troubled at his words. The context, she was also frightened. And I want you to notice how Gabriel responds in verses 30 through 33. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will be with child, and you will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever, and his kingdom will never end. Knowing her fear and knowing her wonderment, the angel told her exactly why he was appearing before her. She was going to be the mother of the Son of God. Why had Mary found favor with God? I want you to notice um, Mary responds back. She says, how will this be since I am a virgin? Now, why did, again, this angel appear before Mary? Why was Mary the one that was chosen? Why was God walking with her? Uh, why was she chosen to be used significantly in this way uh, to be used in such a position of influence now, now I want to let you know right now it wasn't it wasn't because of her social position she was born in Nazareth and last Sunday I got to I, I told you that Nazareth was a podunk place north of Jerusalem up in the foothills overlooking the Jezreel Valley it probably didn't have more than 200 people they were farmers scratching out a living she didn't come from a well-known family she didn't come from a, a family that was known for their wealth there was no social position whatsoever in Mary's background it wasn't because of her beauty or lack of it it wasn't because of her brains or lack of it simply put she was chosen I believe, because she possessed faith. 
faith. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor Ron? Faith to believe that God existed. Faith to believe that God had a plan for her life. Faith to believe that God had a plan for her people. She was a Jewish young lady. Faith to believe that God could use her despite her age and despite her background and despite her lack of beauty or brains or we don't know. God was going to use her in a very, very significant way. She had faith to believe that all things could be possible with God. Now, I want you to notice Mary's response again in verse 34. She says, how will this be, she asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Now, that's a simple, straightforward question. It wasn't a lack of faith. In fact, there's nothing wrong with asking questions. Did you hear what it said? Did you know that every spiritual great down through church history to the present have asked questions? And one of the questions that you have to ask is, is that when God speaks to you and when God directs you, is it really from God? Is God really directing? Is it really from God? Is it myself? Is it from our culture? Is it from our world? Is God really speaking to me? There's nothing wrong with asking questions. How will this be, she said. And Gabriel responds in verses 35 through 37. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Look at it with me. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So that the Holy One will be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, notice your relative, her cousin, is going to have a child in her old age. She who is barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Another translation. All things, all things, all things are possible with God. Now, how would we have responded to this incredible news? I mean, humanly speaking, it sounds preposterous. <laughs> it sounds crazy. Mary could have said, look at me. I'm not even married. I I'm just a simple girl. I I'm just a farmer's daughter. Uh, the mother of the Messiah, come on, quit pulling my leg. But she didn't. I want you to look at her response in verse 38. I... And the Lord's servant, Mary answered, may it, to, may it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Now, now, church family, do you understand what she said here? This is really the context. This is how this is translated. It's translated this way. The Lord has willed it, therefore I'll believe it. The Lord has willed it, therefore I'll believe it. You guys remember that chorus that we used to sing years ago? I'll say, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. You've said it. I'll believe it. And I embrace it. And it's the truth. I am going to be the mother of the Son of God. The question I have for us this morning is this. And these are rhetorical questions. And these are questions that we all have to answer ourselves. But here are these questions they're important questions. Do you believe in the miraculous power of God today? Or do you just give lip service to that? Do you believe in the miraculous power of God today? Do we believe that God can transform a life from the inside out? Do we believe that he can change a life? Do we believe that God has the power to heal? 
Do we believe in the supernatural work of God, spiritually, emotionally, and physically? Do we believe that God is well and He's alive and that He can help us? Do we believe that He can help us in our finances? Do we believe that He can help us in our marriages? Do we believe that He can help us on our job? Do we believe that all things are possible with God? That He knows our struggles and that He knows our losses. How many of you know that Christmas time is a very, very difficult time for people who've lost children, mothers and fathers, spouses. He can even help with our grief. How many of you believe that? He can. Do we trust Him? Do we live like it? I I like this illustration by Tim Hansel. He wrote a book a number of years ago called Holy Sweat. And he writes that one day his, he and his son Zach were out hiking someplace. And they were around a number of boulders where they were hiking at. And his son Zach was about six or seven years of age. And all of a sudden Zach disappeared and he began to call for him. He said, Zach, Zach, where are you at? When all of a sudden Zach jumped joyfully off a rock above him and landed right on Tim Hansel. He had jumped, and then he yelled, Hey, Dad! And Tim Hansel writes that he became an instant circus act, trying to catch his son who leaped first, and then yelled, Hey, Dad, catch me! And they both fell to the ground. And for a moment, Hansel writes, After I could hardly talk and can't, trying to catch my breath, I found my voice again, and I gasped. I said, Zach, can you give me one good reason, one good reason why you did that? One good reason. And he responded with remarkable calmness. Hansel writes, sure, because you're my dad. You're my dad. His whole assurance was based on the fact that his father was trustworthy. Now listen, when when has God failed you? When has the Lord failed you? Has the Lord ever failed you? Has you might feel like it, but has you really? When you look at all the all the things and all the stuff and all the trials and all, when has the Lord failed you? He's never failed you. He's always walked beside you. He's always been there for you. God is trustworthy. Our Heavenly Father can be trusted. Now listen, true faith, true faith is not a leap into the darkness. True faith is not a leap into the darkness. It is a leap into our Heavenly Father's arms. That's what true faith is. It's a leap into our Heavenly Father's arms. And I want to tell you that when you make that leap and live every day that way, it's exciting because the Lord is leading, the Lord is directing, and you're putting your full trust and you're putting your full hope in Him. And despite the trials and despite the difficulties, you're saying, God, here I am today. I put my trust, I put my faith, I consecrate myself, I give myself to you today, and I want you to lead me, and I want you to direct me, and I want to live my life for you. For you. Help me today. That's faith despite the financial problems and housing problems and financial and health-related problems. Well, the angel told Mary, 
You are highly favored of God. You have found favor with God. The Lord is with you. And Elizabeth, her cousin, reiterates again Mary's faith when she says to her, this is Elizabeth, her cousin, speaking. She went to visit her. Look at verse 45. Blessed is she who has what? Believed. Believed. That which the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. I believe it because the Lord said it, and it will be thus and thus. She was used mildly of God because she had faith, true faith, to believe God for the miraculous, to believe that God had a plan for her life and her, 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 um, her people's lives. I want you to notice the second characteristic that Mary possessed. She also possessed humility, humbleness. I, I want us to look at her song. Her, it's called The Magnificent, her song of praise. And I want us to look at verses 46 here. Notice, Mary said, my soul praises the Lord. This is her singing to God after she found out this miraculous thing that was going to happen. My soul praises the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of what? He's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Humility. Humility. Why could God demonstrate his power? She not only had faith, but she was humble. She was humble. I want you to look. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Literally translated, God Almighty has been aware of my humility. Jesus said it like this, if you want to be exalted, humble yourself. But if you exalt yourself, you will be humbled. Now, I have to say that there is false humility out there. There is. There's false humility. Um, false humility out there, which makes you think, that you have to grovel in the dirt, that you have to, no rights, and that you're virtually nothing but a worm. And that's false. But a person, listen to this, a person who possesses true humility has incredible inner strength. How else can a Christian person put into practice what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee, when Jesus was talking about all of those beatitudes. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are the meek, for they will see the kingdom of God. Humility means that you possess incredible strength. In fact, the word picture that's given there in Greek, is of a stallion of incredible strength and power that is being held in place by a bit in its mouth. Strength controlled. It is not, it is not spineless, uh, mamsy-pamsy, knock-kneed, uh, spineless weakness. And the Lord is looking for 
mature men and women who are so secure in the Lord, who love themselves as the Lord loves them, that they can be freed from having to be number one, freed from having to be in the spotlight all the time. They can be free of sarcasm and criticism, putting other people down to build themselves up. They can be free from wearing their emotions on their sleeves, free from every hurt or slight or slap or whatever. We're talking about maturity, humility. I'm telling you, God bless his true humility. Richard Foster, who wrote that classic book, Celebration of Discipline, a number of years ago, has a wonderful quote, and I'm quoting him right now. When Jesus gathered his disciples for the Last Supper, they were having trouble over who was the greatest. Gathered at the Passover feast, the disciples were keenly aware that someone needed to wash the other's feet. The problem was, is that the only people who washed feet were the least. So there they sat, feet caked with dirt. It was such a sore point that they were not even going to talk about it. No one wanted to be considered the least. And then Jesus took a basin and Jesus took a towel and so redefined greatness. Again, humility is not thinking that you're dirt or that you're a worm. Rather, it is believing what God says about you, that you are a child of God, that God loves you, and that you don't have to be number one and you don't have to be a dog-eat-dog type of person and you don't have to stab people in the back. And you, you can be so secure in who you are that it is strength-controlled. Humility. Well, God's purposes were also accomplished through Mary because she not only possessed faith and, and uh, humility, but she possessed grit, <laughs> true grit, true determination, true perseverance. Um, even during the hard and difficult first days and the months of her pregnancy. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor Ron? She is the mother of the Son of God. Wasn't this a joyful time? Wasn't this a happy time? Uh, wasn't everything all hunky-dory for Mary at this particular time? Well, I want you to notice, I want you to look at verse 56 of our text this morning. It says that Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. She's three months pregnant she's been with her cousin and now she has to go back home this 15 year old girl 14 15 years of age who possessed incredible faith incredible humility was also three months pregnant when she went back home to Nazareth no big deal, you say. A little socially awkward by today's societal standards. But nothing to lose sleep over. Now, that, that may be the society's opinion today, but 2,000 plus years ago, a pregnant and unwed girl, that was a big deal. That was a real big deal. According to Scripture and according to what we've talked about here, Joseph because he was betrothed with the, to this young man, Joseph could have publicly humiliated Mary, publicly exposed her, and had her stoned to death. He didn't believe 
her at first, her story. Can you imagine telling your folks, telling your family, telling your fiancé that you are pregnant and the Father is God Almighty? Can you imagine the misunderstanding? Can you, can you imagine the harassment? Can you imagine the, the ridicule that she got? We know that Joseph didn't even believe her, and here she is three months pregnant, and she's come back home. But I want to tell you, this, this little teenage girl, 15, 14, 16, somewhere in there, she had a solid backbone. Grit, stick to perseverance, whatever words you put together, there's no other way around it. Facing all these trials and facing all these difficulties and facing all this misunderstanding, she had true grit. Now listen, every single assignment that God gives you has a cost. God has called you to be a godly person. God has called you to be a Christian person. God has called you to be perhaps a mother or father. God has called you to be a worker. God has called you to be a, 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 to involved in, in certain ministries. God has called you to be involved in all of these different spheres of influence that you exercise. And every single sphere has a cost. It's not easy to be a Christian father. It's not easy to be a Christian mother. It's not easy to stand up for Christ at your job. It's not easy to live for the Lord. It's not easy to be involved in ministry. Because every single assignment that you have, it is difficult to do the things that God wants you to do. And don't tell me that it's not. And so what are you going to do? And this is what Jesus said. Jesus said if you stand up for him, that the prophets before you are going to be persecuted and you can expect some sort of persecution. And in Peter it says that those of us who are trying to endeavor to follow Jesus Christ, that we will face various trials. And you can just tell what those trials are by the way you live your life and the way I live my life. Various trials, all kinds of trials. And it's God's will often that we face these trials. And so what are we going to do? What's the alternative? Think about it. Really, think about it. What's the alternative? Throw in the towel. Give up. Run off, go off to Timbuktu, escape, go to Hawaii <laughs> permanently. <no. laughs> Run off like a puppy dog with a tail between our legs. Hey, teens, we have any teenagers in here? When the pressure's on to cheat, the pressure's on to drink that alcohol, to smoke that dope. What are you going to do? Adult. When the temptation comes your way, when you're facing trials and difficulties, wouldn't it be better just to walk away? Just to throw in the towel? Are we going to cower? Whimper? Are we going to exert, exercise true grit and take a stand? We all fall. And we all feel like giving up, me included. But you're not a failure. You're a person that's obedient to God, 
when you pick yourself back up and you continue to go forward. Did you hear what I said? You're only a so-called failure if you stay down. I love this illustration. You've heard it. I've heard it. It's been around for a number of years. Every time I read this, I'm reminded of true grit. 1831, he failed in business. 1832, he was defeated in the legislature. 1833, he again failed in business. 1834, he was elected in the legislature. 1835, his wife-to-be died. 1836, he he, he, he had a nervous breakdown. It's true, it happens. He had a nervous breakdown. He couldn't handle life anymore. 1838, he was defeated for the Speaker of the House. 1840, he was defeated for, for an elector. 1850, a son died. 1855, he was defeated for the Senate. 1856, he was defeated for the Vice Presidency of the United States. 1858, he was defeated for the Senate. 1860, this man, Abraham Lincoln, was elected President of the United States. Now, would you call him a failure? You're only a failure if you stay down. You're only a failure if you throw in the towel. You're only a failure if you give up. We've all faced trials. We've all faced difficulties. We've all faced losses. We've all lost loved ones. And it's so easy to give in to discouragement. And we've all faced trials in our ministry. Everybody wants to give up on their ministry. It's difficult to persevere in your ministry that God's called you to do. It's difficult to persevere in your marriage. It's difficult to be a father or mother, to be a godly person in today's world. But what is the alternative? Are you going to throw in the towel and give up? Del Stennett does this illustration better than I do. But I like to talk about this about once or twice a year. I want to talk about, you know who? Winston Churchill. That bulldogged, determined man, ball-headed, <laughs> stoky smoker, <laughs> uh, ugly-looking guy. This is basically, he's, he's up in years. Prime Minister of New England. Short, stubby. History says that Winston Churchill held his country together, England together, during the Nazi juggernaut when all hell was coming against England. He would give those fireside speeches, trying to rally his people together to have hope, to persevere. According to history, he went back to the school that he had flunked out of. He went back to the same school that he had flunked out of to give a speech. And the headmaster that day stood up before Winston Churchill, and he looked out at the audience of young men, and he said, boys or fellas, I want you to take copious notes this morning, because this is the most important speech that you will ever hear in your life. And Winston Churchill stood up behind the podium, and he started off, and he said, never give up 
And there was a long pause. There was a long pause, according to those people who heard that speech. And then he beat the podium and he said, Never, 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 never give up. And then he sat down. And that was the sum total, perhaps, of one of the most famous speeches given. Somewhere in this healing process, somewhere in the midst of ministry, somewhere in the midst of everything, you have to make up your mind. You have to make up your mind that you're not going to give up. You're going to persevere. You're going to exercise grit. May it be in 2014 that through the thick and thin, the good times and bad times, even though we fell, we got back up and we didn't quit. Would you bow your heads with me and let's pray together.